And there are times when nothing else will do other than a move of God. Sometimes you just need God to intervene and be who he is. That's what our nation needs right now. In fact, that's what the whole world needs. Because God can show up and just like this COVID-19 blew in, he can make it leave just that fast if the people of God will touch him. Anybody remember the story of the woman with the issue of blood who said, if I can but touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made whole. Lord, would you make our world whole again? Whole in every way, spiritually as well, because all of us in this building realize that there are very strong undertones, spiritual undertones to everything that is happening. God is definitely getting the attention of his church and the world right now. Amen. So with your hands raised one more time, would you say, God, we need you to move? Would you do that? We need you to move. Anybody need God to move in their life as well? We need you to move. Amen. And thank you so much. And God bless you. Good morning, Inspire. How are you today? And you may be seated. Amen. And welcome to the house of God this morning. There are times in our lives where we sense that we have done all we can do, humanly speaking. And we need God to help us by doing what only he can do through the power of his mighty hand. And hopefully in the course of your life, there will be very few of those times where you will actually need that. That's because anytime you need God to show up and be God, it generally means that there's some kind of a big problem that you're facing, turmoil, trouble, some kind of catastrophic event or circumstance or situation that you're going through. My prayer for you as a pastor would be that you don't face very many of those in the course of your life. But when you do come to one, There is no substitute for what God can do in the course of your life. All of us recognize that we come to the end of ourselves. We have exhausted our human potential. We have depleted our resources. We have gone to friends, family. We have done what we can. And we have just come to the point where in utter exhaustion and depletion of human ability, we lift our hands and say, Lord, it's up to you now. I've been in places like that in my life. How many of you, humanly speaking, would attest to that fact by raising your hand and say, I know what you're talking about, Pastor. I've been there. Yeah, we all have, or most of us. And if you have not, I don't mean to discourage you, but you will in this broken world come to a place like that sooner or later. The truth is you don't get to vote on it. You live in a fallen world that's ruled by a fallen Lord and we're a fallen race, thankfully redeemed by the grace of God as a believer. But in this broken world, things get broke, whether it's weather, the health, the economy, you know, it doesn't matter what it is, politics, it all gets broke. Because the world is broken and it's ruled by a Lord that has fallen who seeks nothing more than to wreak havoc and chaos in your life. And when those times come, 
You need an encounter with God. I've been there. I know what it's like, and you do too. And you walk through those circumstances, and when you do, this is what you say. Had it not been for the Lord who was on my side, now may Israel say. You're going to have a testimony like that. Amen. If you don't already. So that's why we're having in-person services, by the way, just so that I can explain. And I'm doing this in each service. There are churches across our city and across our nation that are not having in-person services. And this is not meant with any respect to those who choose not to gather. But our people ask us, please, pastor, please don't discontinue in-person services. Because sometimes you need those. And I met with a gentleman the other day that, that was going through great trauma in his life. And this was his statement. He said, Pastor, I love the, the streaming program. And you guys are doing a great job. And he's a new believer, only been here a few weeks. And he said, but the truth is, with what I'm going through, he said, there's no substitute for being there. He said, I really hope that you guys continue to have in-person services. And he's only been coming for about six to seven weeks now. And with the trauma in his life, I recognized his need for corporate worship, for us to be together as the body of Christ, the connectivity. He needed the strength that you find when you come to the house of God because you know, when everything's going well, hey, it's cool, you know, just hang out with God and, you know, come to church and enjoy life. But when you're in the middle of an, an, a terrible, catastrophic situation, you sometimes need to hitchhike on the prayers and the worship of other people. Have you ever been at a place where you just simply could not worship? It, it, life hits you in the pit of the stomach in such a way, with so much force, it just like, you couldn't, couldn't even say, help. Have you ever been there? I have. And when times like that come, it's helpful to be with your friends. And so across our city, you'll find some churches right in our neighborhood that are not having in-person services. Others are First and Second Baptist Second Baptist, one of the largest in the nation. They're doing what we do. We have services for those who want to come. Do you know there are people that are in addictive programs? And I, by you being here, it doesn't mean that you are here. They're in programs to be set free from 12-step programs and different kinds of programs like that. And they struggle. And they don't get what they get sitting watching a streaming service when they... Uh, come to church. The, 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 the level of importation is not the same. And they want to be here. And I understand that very well. You don't know this, but when I got saved, I had some problems in my life. Oh, Lord. And I'm taking a moment to explain this because many of our people, most of our people are not here. And some of them are saying, are you going to make us feel guilty because we don't come? That's why at every the bottom of every email I send out, every text message that I send announcing services always say the same thing. If you're a senior, if you have underlying health conditions, comorbidity, if you're sick, please don't come. If you're a senior and want to, we respect that and welcome you. 
We're not going to tell you, force you to stay home. But this is why I wear one of these and struggle with it every time I come over here and had to ask Steve, is my microphone on right? Because first service, it got all twisted up in this. The mic was pointing down and people couldn't hear me. I am so sick of these things. I want to burn every mask that I've ever seen. Amen. I'm tired of them. But guess what? You're going to probably have to live with one for a long, long time. You know why? We are redefining normal in every area of life right now. So yes, if Disney can be open and they open this week, we figure we can have church too. Amen. Because spiritual needs are just as important as everyone else's. I look back when I got saved. I started to tell you. And then I drew back from the edge and I'm going to go ahead and push the envelope you don't know but when I got saved I had some stuff living in me you heard a demonic possession <laughs> I was there they laid hands on me and when they started praying for me I don't even know what came up I'm, I'm not making this up something rose up in me you can ask my wife she wasn't my wife at that time I met her in that same revival. I doubled up my fist and I knocked the, the tooth out of one of the guy's mouth that was praying for. I, boom, I laid him out. He laid hands on me. It wasn't me. It was that force within me, the drugs and all that other stuff from back yonder. I needed church after that. I needed to be in the house of God. There would be days I would just barely make it but when I left church, I was flying high. I, I know what that is like, to be at a point of need like that. So yes, we decided that spiritual needs are just as important as every, every other need, in fact, more so. Because the Savior said it this way, what will it profit a man if he gains the world but loses his soul when comes the judgment? And so we're having in-person services just so you can tell those who are not here that we understand if they can't come and they're not comfortable, but we're going to have church. If Disney can open, we're going to have church. If they can open Magic Mountain or whatever it is, Epcot, whatever they got over there, we can open the house of God. And speaking of opening the house of God, next Sunday, Tony Suarez is going to be here with us and all three services amen so we're going to have church and then i also want to recognize today i have a dear friend who he and his wife i've known them for years i you know there's actually a place called north pole alaska daryl cornley would you raise your hand you and your lovely wife right over there these are precious people of god amen well is she here no, she's not here. Sorry. Hiding behind that mask. I had to see who, twice who that was. I, okay, that's another problem with masks. I hate these things. I want to burn every one of them. I don't even know who I'm talking to half the time. You better be careful what you say. It might be me behind that mask that you're looking at. <laughs> but I've known Daryl and his family, incredible people for many, many years. They pastored in North Pole, Alaska. And he built an extraordinary church there. And now he's in a missions work based out of 
Phoenix, Arizona. We're so glad they're here. Actually, if I had not had Tony Suarez preaching today, I, I think I would have had Daryl preach. He's a great preacher, and we welcome him. I want to get into the Word of God. I've taken a lot of time to explain to people because as a pastor, I sense the tension. Some are saying, if we don't come, are you going to judge us? No, I'm not. On the other hand, I just want you to know, you stay home, you're missing out on something. You sure are. Amen. It's kind of like when my wife makes gumbo. You don't show up, you don't get any. You can watch it on TV, but it is not the same. You can watch me slurp and eat my chicken and sausage gumbo made with andouille sausage, by the way. With that dark brown roux. Oh, Lord, have mercy. With enough red pepper in it that it kind of burns the back of your throat just a little. Oh, yeah. You can watch me do that all day long, but it's not the same as being there. In Exodus chapter 8, I'm turning there to one of the notable power encounters in Scripture. So the Lord said to Moses, verse 16, say to Aaron, stretch out your rod and strike the dust of the ground so that it may become lice throughout all the land of Egypt. And they did so, for Aaron stretched out his hand with his rod and struck the dust of the ground and it became lice on man and beast. All the dust of the land became lice throughout all the land of Egypt. I've been to Egypt many times. All the dust of the land became lice. That had to have been a nightmare because there's lots of dust in Egypt. We just had a dust storm that came in from the Sahara. You remember that? You, know, you couldn't even see downtown from here because the dust in the air. I came all the way from the Sahara. And that's located, yep, you guessed it, part of it is in Egypt. All that turned into lice. So now the magicians so worked with their enchantments to bring forth lice, but they could not. So there were lice on man and beast. Then the magician said to Pharaoh, this is the finger of God. But Pharaoh's heart grew hard and he did not heed them just as the Lord had said. Matthew 11 and 12, I'm going to read this from the Passion Translation. It is my favorite translation to read in my personal devotions. It's so poetic, so powerful, so poignant. Listen to this. From the moment John stepped onto the scene until now, the realm of heaven's kingdom is bursting forth, and passionate people have taken hold of its power. Passionate people. I'm starting a new series today entitled, Where the Power Is. Father, would you speak to us right now? And would you open our hearts to understand the profundity, the depth, the revelation that there is in Scripture? There's so much in this book. I'm delighted every time I read it with the discoveries that I make that I had not seen before. And Lord, let your word impact our lives today in a manner that is meaningful, that will give us something that when we walk out of here that we can use to change our situation and circumstance or at least empower us with the word to go through it. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. amen. Shout it out loud. Amen. amen. 
where the power is. Everything in the kingdom of God begins with, is found in, and ends with Jesus. Did you know that? Everything revolves around him. For example, faith. Preaching Jesus brings faith. Salvation, it's the person of Jesus that brings salvation. Deliverance, that's the power of Jesus. Hope, it's the patience of Jesus that brings hope. Strength, it's the peace of Jesus that brings strength. Structure, that's the precepts of Jesus that cause structure. Elevation can only occur through the principles of Jesus. Prosperity is directly linked to the, to the purposes of Jesus. Societal transformation that we desperately need, it is the inevitable consequence of applying the patterns of Jesus. Personal fulfillment, because so many people live without fulfillment, only comes as a result of encountering the presence of Jesus. Revival, something everybody wants. Did you know that that is the direct product of the passion that people have for Jesus in their hearts? A few people with passion can ignite an area and set it on fire for God and bring revival. Holiness, if you want the holiness of Jesus, you need an encounter with the purity of Jesus. If you want personal holiness in your life, everything in the kingdom of God literally revolves around Jesus. Gaining access or entry to those things that pertain to the kingdom of God, however, does not happen for everyone. God would prefer that it did, but it doesn't. Listen, Matthew 11 and 25, at that time Jesus answered and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have, what? Hidden these things? from the wise and prudent and revealed them to babes? Why would God hide these things? It is because they are a privilege reserved for those who will do whatever is necessary to access them. Remember the scripture again, and passionate people have taken hold of its power. Isaiah 45 goes a little bit beyond that in verse 15. Truly, Isaiah says, you are a God who hides himself, O God of Israel, the Savior. That's not exactly who most people think God is, but God actually hides himself, meaning that he hides the depth of his riches. Not everybody is going to discover those. That is reiterated again in Matthew 13 and 44, and the parable that Jesus gave, again, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field which a man found. You've got to find it. You've got to get out there and look for it. You've got to get your metal detector. You've got to get a, a shovel, a spade. You've got to spend time. You've got to go with great intentionality. You've got to apply yourself with deliberate purpose. And a man found it. Not men found it. A man found it and hid it. And for joy over it, he went and sold all that he had to buy that field. One more time, only this time from the New King James Version, Jesus says in Matthew 11 and 12, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of God suffers violence and the violent, the passionate, take it by force, they seize its power. 
And so the question then becomes, if it is a matter of passion, how badly do you want these things? You see, one can tap into and gain the privilege of access to these various things if you're passionate enough by several different means. And so since everything revolves around Christ, then I want us to look at how we gain access to a few of these. And specifically, I will focus on one, and, and that is the power of Jesus that brings deliverance. How do you access that power? And I'll explain what deliverance means in a moment. But let's begin with just the basic Things. These 12 things, I'm going to break down just the first of them. Since everything that God does, he does in response to faith. How do you, how do you grow your faith? The answer to that, Romans 10, 14. How shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they, ah, look, notice this. Believe in him of whom they have not heard. And how shall they hear without a preacher? You grow the faith of Jesus through the preaching of Jesus. It's the person of Jesus that brings salvation. So if someone is here and needs Christ or someone's watching this, this program and they need salvation, how do you access the person of Jesus to receive salvation? The answer to that is very simple, and you can find it in your Bible. Romans 10, 9, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Literally, it's through repentance and believing and by the surrender of your life to Christ as your Savior, your Lord. You can access salvation. It's for whomsoever will. Amen. It's just you have to be willing to go through these steps to get it. It is the patience of Jesus that brings hope. In a troubled world, that's the one commodity that everybody needs. And trust me, right now, we need it more than we ever have before. But how, how do you get hope? I've already told you, it's the patience of Jesus that brings it. But do you tap into patience just by wanting to? No. You tap into the patience of Jesus by enduring testing and tribulation. Exactly what you didn't want to hear, right? Because Romans 5 and 3 says, but not only so, Paul declares, we glory in tribulation also knowing what? That tribulation works patience. You don't gain patience when everything is smooth and everything is fine and the wind is at your back and your sails are full and the, the, the sea is like glass and there are no rocks in your path if you're climbing the mountain. It's easy going. There's a foot trail that leads all the way to the top and you don't even draw a deep breath. I mean, it's, it's cool and the view is lovely. No, 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 sorry. That's not where you gain patience. You gain patience by going through tribulation and that is what brings you hope. Amen. The peace of Jesus, on the other hand, gives you strength. You gain the peace of Jesus by bringing all of your concerns to the Lord in prayer, not trying to figure them out by yourself. And by learning to be thankful for what's going on in your life right now. Philippians 4, 6 through 7 says, be anxious for nothing. That's a word for somebody here today. Be anxious for what? Nothing. Your anxiety is not going to change anything, is it? It won't make it better. Staying up late tonight, tossing and turning 
your eyes bloodshot tomorrow morning, it's not going to make it any better. The situation remains the same. What you need to know is that no matter where you are, he is still God. He is, no matter where you are, storm, valley, mountain, desert, he's still God. He didn't stop being God just because you got in the middle of the desert. No, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. That's how you gain peace. It's when you can leave all of your troubles with him. For he goes on to write in verse 7, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Every single one of the things that I mentioned before that are central to Christ, that as it were, revolves around him, are accessible to those passionate enough to pursue them. For example, elevation is caused by applying the principles of Jesus, but where do you acquire them? John 5, 39, search the scripture Jesus said for, in them you think you have eternal life. And these are they which testify of me, the precepts which provide kingdom structure that you can apply. Your business will never succeed without the, the structure of the kingdom, the principles of the kingdom being applied there, the precepts of Jesus. Your, your marriage won't make it very well if you don't apply the precepts. You're going to struggle in your family. The same thing is true in your ministry, in your walk with God. It is the application of the principles and precepts of Christ. And you access those. How? By applying the word of God to your life. And look at this, James 1.22, be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourself because you see the big problem today, and you might not want to agree with me, but it's true, is that we hear a lot of word, but we don't do a lot with the word we hear. We don't. You heard about the preacher that tried out for a church and preached a beautiful message. It was so impacting. The board met afterward. They had had a number of candidates, and they said, that's the one right there. And they informed him that they wanted him to be the pastor. He accepted the call, and the next Sunday, they were on the edge of their seats waiting to hear what he was going to preach next because the last sermon had been so impacting. And he preached, but to their astonishment, when he opened his Bible, he turned to the same passage he had preached from the week before. And preached the same message. And nobody said anything. And they thought, wow, maybe the strain of moving, <laughs> unloading furniture and everything else got to him. And he forgot that he preached this same message last week. We'll, we'll cut him a little slack. Came back the second week and preached the same sermon all over again. That's now three times. And they raised their eyebrows and the board members looked at each other and said, I wonder if he knows anything else. And they came back the next week and he preached the same sermon again. And they decided, we got to have a meeting. And so the chairman of the board went to the man and said, sir, said, we honor you, pastor, and you preached a great message, but are you aware this is the fourth week in a row that you've preached it? And he said, yes, of course I am. 
They said, well, don't you know anything else? He said, sure, but when you obey this one, that's when I'll preach the next sermon. When you start doing what I preach this time. We hear a lot of word, but we're not so good on application. There are various ways that you can appropriate these things too. How do you appropriate some of them? Oh, there's so many ways through the name of Jesus is one. Acts 4 and 10, Peter said it was through faith in the name of Jesus when hauled before the Sanhedrin and they wanted to know with their arms folded and their self-righteous noses lifted in the air. They wanted to ask him, how did this man who was lame get healed? Peter said, it wasn't us. It was faith. This is Acts 4.10. Faith in the name of Jesus that made the lame man at the beautiful gate receive his healing and make him able to walk. I love what the King James said. It gave him perfect soundness in the presence of you all. Perfect. Wow. There's also appropriation through the blood of Jesus. (laughs) That's what my grandmother taught me. She knew how to pray and plead the blood. Anybody raised in a home where somebody pleaded the blood every single day, every moment, plead the blood, Jesus, plead the blood. Oh, Lord, I heard that so many times. Hebrews 10, 19 tells us that's actually a very real means of accessing things in the kingdom. We read that we have to have boldness to enter into the holiest of holies by the blood of Jesus. That priest only went behind that veil one time a year for about 15 minutes, as near as scholars can determine. But when he poured the blood on that mercy seat, it literally opened heaven over Israel for 12 more months. Literally, he opened, created an open heaven by the application of the blood. And this is what I found out that whenever you get behind the veil, You don't have to just, you know, get behind the veil and do your business and leave. You can stay and make a few requests because being behind the veil brings you into a place that makes the answers to your prayers accessible. Amen? And then you can appropriate things through faith in Jesus. Jesus asked the two blind men in Matthew 9, 28, when they asked for healing, His question was simply, do you believe I can can do this? Because faith will cause things to happen that nothing else can make occur in the kingdom. The currency of the kingdom of God is faith. And sometimes your breakthrough comes and you appropriate what you need merely by worshiping. There have been so many times in the course of my Christian life and experience where I have carried things that nobody knew about. As a pastor, you get to do that, you know. That's one of the great benefits, wink, wink, of being a pastor. You not only get to carry your problems and those of your family, but you get to carry the problems of the church and people in the congregation on your shoulders as well. I'll do a funeral this afternoon after I leave here. People with their burdens and very real and very pressing needs. And you know what? I've learned that when I can get into the presence of God, Many times I don't even need to articulate what my need is. Have you discovered that? It just gets fixed automatically just by being where he is at. At times I've not even had to say, Lord, would you do this? 
and would you do this? And would you fix this situation? Or there's this situation going on with this person or that person or they need this. You know what? Just being in his presence has such power that it can cause your circumstance to change. That is why as a pastor, I ask people, don't bother me before noon. You can ask my wife what I do. I spend my mornings in my personal devotions. I've learned I can't minister to you and have anything to say if I haven't been where he is. Because it is what happens when I'm behind the veil that changes everything else. And that's something that is accessible to you. In this series, and I want to get directly into this that I'm dealing with with Moses, and then I'm just laying the foundation for the rest of the series right now. I want us to look at how we gain access to deliverance. That's through the power of Jesus. And by deliverance, I, I want you to understand, I don't just mean deliverance from oppression of the devil or a demonic attack or affliction either. Those happen. In this fallen world, you better know it. Some of the things that come against you are inspired by spirits from beneath. Fallen spirits. Sometimes you're dealing with things that are the absolute manifestation of the enemy. Now, I don't like to do what some people do and give the devil a lot of credit when I talk about these things. I've had people tell me last night the devil himself came into my bedroom. And you know what I always ask? Really? The devil himself? You mean he left wars in other parts of the world and genocides and famine and he came into your bedroom last night? You must be. <laughs> All I can say is I did not recognize who I had as a member of the congregation. But the devil himself. I mean, I haven't even had the devil himself come. Now, he's got a lot of demonic forces that he'll sure send your way. But stop glorifying the work of the enemy. Because many times the deliverance we need, and there is that type of deliverance available. I want you to hear me. There is. As I told you, and this is why I began with that story. When I got saved, I had to experience that. So I know it's real. I know it's real. But you know what most deliverance has to consist of for a believer? It's not deliverance from the devil, it's deliverance from you. <laughs> it's me. Lord, deliver me from me. <laughs> the habits that I get into, the thoughts, the problems that exist in my life that are often the result of self-limiting thinking, self-defeating habits, self-loathing, insecurity. Lack of vision, inadequate goals, the failure to prepare. How about this? The inability to commit. Slothfulness. Just plain too lazy to get up and work, Lord. And I rebuke the devil, and Lord, I want you to bless me. And, and the Lord's saying, I am, but you got to get out of bed. you got to work for what you or after, do you understand what I'm trying to say? And do you know the power of Jesus for deliverance can not only deliver you from demonic oppression, he can deliver you from you. 
And the way he does that is, at least in my experience, in my life, he developed in me a divine and holy dissatisfaction with mediocrity. And something within me cried out, I was made for more than this. I was created for more than what I'm experiencing. He made me experience a divine discontentment. And I became unhappy living at that lower level and plane where I had existed without vision, without goals, without purpose, without focus, without direction. And when I began to cry out, you know what happened? God began to stretch me. And that's never comfortable. And that's why we choose lack of vision. And that's why we choose lack of goals. And that's why we choose inactivity and lack of purpose and lack of focus because... We're not stretched. Talk about a guy getting stretched. Look at Moses. Now I shift to the text. He spent the last four decades of his life on the backside of the desert in the Sinai Peninsula in parts of Arabia. Desert that the temperature soars over 120 degrees during the day. For 40 years, his primary assignment had been taking care of his father-in-law's sheep. And then all of a sudden, God shows up. Talk about stretch you. There's a burning bush, and God says, Moses. In that deep voice, God says, Moses. He turns aside to see the side of this burning bush. Take off your shoes. The ground you're standing on is holy ground. And I'm sending you to Pharaoh to tell him, thus says the Lord, let my people go. You've shepherded somebody else's sheep. Now you're going to lead mine. And what God did was stretch him to a, a place where all of a sudden, and I believe intentionally God had been allowing discontent to, discontentment to grow in him all of those many years. And now God is setting him up for a power confrontation. It's a showdown between the forces of God, the forces of good, and the forces of darkness, between light and evil. It was a setup by God. It was meant to be a setup. It was meant to be that way, that he could reveal his power and glory. And you see, sometimes, beloved, we come to places in our lives, don't we, where we pray, God, get us out of it, and he doesn't. And the reason is... He leads us deeper into the circumstance that he can get greater glory out of it. It's kind of like Lazarus. Jesus could have shown up the very day that Lazarus was sick, but he waited four days that God could get a greater testimony. And we sometimes think that we have been abandoned and forgotten. But in reality... God's just setting us up for a greater breakthrough. I'm talking to somebody right now. And you're wondering why God hasn't shown up. You just got a word from God. Who am I talking to in this building right now? Somebody in this building. God, there's one hand. Anybody else? There's another hand. There's somebody. There's somebody. You think there's somebody. There's somebody. You think that he doesn't see you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He sees you. He's just got a greater testimony ahead for you. 
His glory is going to be revealed. You see, God knew that Pharaoh would not let his people go without a battle. In fact, he told Moses before Moses went down, I'm going to harden Pharaoh's heart so that he will not say yes when you walk in with my demands. And the reason is, is this is a setup to show who is God. It's going to be power versus power. It's going to be light versus darkness, good versus evil. And in Mark 3, 27, this is what the scripture said. No one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man. And then he will plunder his house. You know, we put too many band-aids on society all these years. We've been too content to fix the flat tire by putting patches on it. And God wants to demonstrate his power. He wants to do a clean sweep. God wants to send a revival. The reason this world is reeling and shaking is because like Hebrews said, he's going to shake everything that can be shaken. That what cannot be shaken will remain. Well, yeah, this, has, this does have apocalyptic overtones to it. What we're watching happen really does. Moses came before Pharaoh and gave him the message God had intended for him to deliver. And sure enough, Pharaoh's arrogance was such that he stuck his chest out and demanded, Who is the Lord that I should obey him? He was getting ready to find out. And to demonstrate who God was, Moses threw his rod down on the ground and it turned into a snake. Why he chose a snake? It could have been a lizard. It could have been anything but a snake. I hate snakes. I don't want to get near snakes. I have a phobia when it comes to snakes. The one thing I can't stand is a snake. Heard somebody else in agreement with me right there. Anybody raised in the country like I was, I was raised in the country. You go around Belfurthed like I did. I walked down the dusty road one night and stepped right on the back of a, a water moccasin. And I can to this day, that's how distinct that impression is. I can remember what it felt like for that thing to squirm under my foot. To this day, I don't... <laughs> Snakes and people actually have those as pets. If you have one as a pet, I will pray for you and cast the snake spirit out of you. Oh, Lord. And then Pharaoh turns to his magicians and says, can you do that? And they said, yep. And threw their staffs down and they turned into snakes. That's, I was in Jamaica one time. And we pulled up at a house in Bishop Green. We pulled up at a pastor's house. We were going to visit. He was a part of a, a crusade that I was preaching down there. And we were going to make plans. Bishop Green, who was driving me around, had to see him. Bishop Green jumped out. And he, his phobia was dogs. And in that rich Jamaican accent, he got out of the car. And two little old dogs that were no bigger than that came running out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He jumped right back in the car and looked at me and said, too much dog, man, too much dog. Never will forget that. <laughs> That's how I am about snakes. One's too many. A bunch of them. Y'all call me and tell me how the service ended. And then Moses' serpent ate the others. Uh oh 
And God says, pick up the serpent. (laughs) I'll let Aaron do that if you don't mind, Lord. But the point is, is that Pharaoh's magicians had successfully imitated what God had done. And then Moses called the water, calls the waters of the Nile River to become blood. And Pharaoh turns to his magicians and says, can you do that? And they say, yep. And they proceed to do the same thing. And then he called up a swarm of frogs that invaded all of the land of Egypt. They were in cooking pots. They were in beds. Pharaoh turns over and he's laying on frogs. Wakes up, there's one sitting on his chest. Frogs everywhere. And Pharaoh says to his magicians, can you do that? Yep, and they did it. And by now, Pharaoh's feeling pretty good because the devil has been able to match blow for blow. And there are times in your life where it seems like what you're doing just isn't working. Your prayer isn't working. You try hard, the devil strikes you back. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It seems like everything you do, the devil's matching that with opposition. You, oh, you got to hear me. As a pastor, I've been there. Go pray for somebody and they get worse rather than better. Amen. Pray for somebody and they, you have three funerals. <laughs> That's never any fun. Counsel people with their marriages. And they get a divorce anyway. And the devil taunts you and laughs at you. I've been there. And that's when God instructed Moses, strike the dust of the land. Tell Aaron to take that rod and strike the dust. And like I said, there's lots of it in Egypt. And the moment Aaron drew that staff back and slammed it into the ground, at that very moment, a cloud of dust, the whole land nation shook like this the whole land shook and that dust cloud started rising until it formed billowing thunderheads like there was going to be a terrible rainstorm only it wasn't rain the dust turned into lice and they're everywhere and in their hair and in their clothes and Pharaoh turns to his magicians and said can you do that and the magician said give me a minute and I think I can and, and they tried the same thing and started beating on the ground and while they're scratching they turned back to Pharaoh and said nope we can't do that that is the finger of God there is a point where if you will hold on to God God will step into the middle of your situation and take over for you You can't let your faith be shaken. You can't. That's when even Pharaoh knew who he was up against. A power confrontation between God Almighty and the principality of Egypt. The magicians could not replicate what was done. And you see, there are some things that only God can do. And for you to discover The level of deliverance that you need in your life sometimes, like I said, it's not the devil. It's not my brother nor my sister, but it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Sometimes you just need to break into God for yourself. You need personal transformation. You need something to happen in here, and God's got to make you get hungry. Why? Because passionate people lay hold of the power of the kingdom of Almighty God. Passionate people who get deliverance. And Moses kept right on going. He didn't give up hope. 
just because the devil was able to swap blow for blow. No, he didn't. Amen. He stayed in the fight. Israel was delivered from Egypt in a no-holes-barred, winner-take-all contest of strength between God and the powers of darkness. And though the powers of evil could go a little further, and I'm closing, than the power of mere mortal men could, they still could not go as far as God can. And the word that I have for you is hold on. Hold on. Keep walking it out. Can I hear somebody say amen? Did you hear what I said? Walk it out, walk it out, walk it out. You may body slam the devil today and he'll do it to you tomorrow. But there's a time coming when God is going to step in on the scene and say, that's it. I'm showing you who the big boss is now. I'm taking over. You went as far as you could go, but you cannot go any further than this. I am God. I am God alone. Passionate people seize the kingdom and the power of the kingdom and do not let it go. Why passionate people? Because if you don't have any passion driving you, you'll give up too soon. You'll quit. You'll take the gloves off and say, I fought all I want to fight. That's it. Yeah, but the match is not over. It is for me. I've been in this as long as I intend to. I'm, I'm giving up. I'm talking to somebody right now. I don't know what your circumstance is. It may be financial. Don't you give up. Don't you give up. You know what God's called you to do. You know the hand of God is on you. I'm talking to somebody. It might be ministry. Don't you give up. The hand of God is on your life. Don't you give up. Don't you give up. You quit, you don't know it, but it was the very next round when the finger of God was getting ready to be revealed. God was going to show up. You see, I said the finger of God because it don't take a whole fist. All God's got to do is this, and he fixes everything in your life. A little old push with a finger, amen. And there you are straining until the cords in your neck are standing out. And the tendons are bulging and the muscles are flexing. You're trying your best and your face is grimacing. And all God's got to do is finger of God. The word of the Lord today is that the, the power of God is more than a match for what you are facing. This is important. Because with the challenges of the times in which we live, the enemy would really like to convince you that you aren't strong enough, you're not good enough, you don't have enough faith, you don't have enough favor, you don't have enough grace. He's going to try to talk you right out of your next promotion. So... I want to read a verse and I'm done. Romans 1, verse 17, Paul writing, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by 
faith. Can I say that again? The just shall live by faith. I shall live. You're not going to die. Your finances are not going to die. Your ministry is not going to die. Your business is not going to die. I shall live. The just shall live. Put your hand on your chest right now. And say, I shall live by faith. I shall live. Did you hear that? Shouted at somebody. I shall live. I shall live. I shall live. Here's where the devil wants you to, to have to qualify that statement. Well, yeah, but did you see what it said? It's the just. You need to tell the devil, you don't know it, son. But I was justified by the blood of Jesus. I'll never get good enough. I'll never earn it. I'll never merit it. But I'm going to live not because of who I am. He made me just. He imputed his righteousness to me. The just shall live by faith. My ministry is going to thrive. My life is going to thrive. My family is going to thrive. My business is going to thrive. My finances are going to thrive. I'm going to live because God has justified me. Stand with me across the building. Amen. You need to say that over and over. I shall live by faith. I shall live by faith. I shall live by faith. Not faith in you. But faith in God. Not faith in, in the person next to you. But faith in God. Not faith in your companion, though I pray that your companion always demonstrates themselves as a person that they can be trusted in. But faith in God, God, faith in God changes everything. Amen. God isn't going to forget you or, aban or abandon you. You're going to get through all of this victoriously. Look at your neighbor not far from you and just smile at him and say, you're going to get through this. Would you do that? Smile at him. You're going to get through this. You're going to get through this. Amen. Look at the person on the other side of you and say, you too. You're going to get through this. Would you do that? Whoever you are behind that mask you're wearing, you're going to, you're going to get through this. You're going to be blessed. <laughs> May not be round one, may not be in round two, might not even be in round three. But before it's all over, God's going to show up with his finger. And with the devil doing everything he can, God's going to go and fix it all.